Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brown Bernard. Catherine is in Chicago. Well, she's on her way to uh, Florida. And Alex is at home with Fawn because she didn't uh, go to bed early enough last night. And Cassie is on the haunted cruise uh, with Chris Jericho and her and her husband, Darkness Dave. So, yeah, Andy and I are holding down the fort. We have a couple of great guests today in the second hour, Chris Nash and Kostaki Economopolis. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, hour two, Chris uh, Nashadawi. Is that how you would say that? Nashadawi. Nashawati. Nashawati. We're going to find out from when Chris. Mm. Chris is going to be on in a couple of minutes. As a matter of fact, this is going to be a lot of fun, actually. His book, Caddyshack, The Making of Hollywood Cinderella Story. Caddyshack, one of the most beloved comedies of all time. A classic snobs versus slob story of working class kids and the white collar buffoons that make them haul their golf bags in the hot summer sun. We'll be talking to Chris about that. I think it's Nashawati. Nashawati. Yeah, I think that's how you say his name. Or it might be a woman. Could be her name. I'm not sure. I have no idea. We'll find out in a couple of minutes when Chris calls in. That's all I have to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen. That's just the way things are. You know what I mean? Uh, We talked about this last week. More than 25,000 people have signed a petition to change the date of Halloween because they want it on a Saturday every year. So they wouldn't be changing the date. They'd be changing the day. Why? Because they want it to always be on a Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, every year. Or so yeah, they would. It'd be like I guess that kind of makes sense. It does. You know, it, it was based on the All Saints Day and All Souls Day and all that stuff back in the old. Yeah. I think it was an Irish, an Irish holiday at first. I think that's exactly right. Um, in any case, it's National Cat Day. I thought I'd tell you that because of uh, Hobbsy back at home. What do you think? National Cat Day, huh? It's National Cat Day. So you can go home and... Uh, hmm. This is amazing. I, see, this story is a story I'm glad we got to before our guest came on. Believe it or not, there's a scientific explanation for why you like haunted houses and horror movies. A new study found that when people finish doing something scary, but where deep down they knew there was no real danger, it affects their brain in a way a real scary situation would. 
And that means it basically tricks your brain into releasing endorphins, which make you feel good and put you in a better mood. Not surprising. Now you know. So it's the release of endorphins. Mm -hmm. Sounds so about right. And, and the adrenaline rush, too, I'm sure. Okay. So a lot a of people are adrenaline addicts. Yeah. I have a question for you, then. Why is it that Alex and I like horror movies and you and Mom don't? For me, I just find them boring for the most part. Well, they are pretty much it's not boring because in I'm, general. I, it's not because I'm, like, too scared of them. It's no, just I because know. so many of them are very, very similar. Well, and the problem is that, the, you know, I've been trying to find a horror movie to watch lately, and I've seen all, all the really good ones over the years, but... The new ones are just not very good. Yeah, that too. Every time you see a new horror movie, you talk about how bad it was. So there's that too. Yeah, it's. The, I don't know why that is, but it's just not a, not a good situation. Chris what are you do? is on the phone. Chris is ready to roll. Mm -hmm. Ready to roll, as they say. Chris, how are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Is your last name pronounced Nashawati? Nashawati. 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 What? What? Uh, what's the derivation of that name? Syrian. Oh, Syrian. Okay. Hmm. I get Nashawati. Yep. Okay. Um, you're right in my wheelhouse with this, Chris. I adored Caddyshack. Uh, you know, so there's a very sad part of this tale because the man who wrote it and pretty much uh, was the reason for the entire movie, decided at the end of his life that he hated the movie, and uh, that made me very sad to hear. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's got sort of a bittersweet, bittersweet coda to it. Uh, you know, for such a rollick, funny movie, there is sort of this parallel tale about Doug Kenny uh, yeah, that yeah. Is, uh, ends in tragedy, but, you know, it's also sort of symbolic of the times, you know, the sort of hedonism and the drug. And uh, it all goes hand in hand with the making of the movie. Yeah, Chris, you think there's a little drug dealing, <laughs> drug doing going on at the set of Caddyshack? <laughs> I think you might be oh right about God. that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it's just nonstop. When the cameras weren't rolling, it was just pretty much a nonstop party. Yes, that's what I understand. I've, I've interviewed many of the people that were. I never did get to interview Doug Kinney, though. But um, I've interviewed just about everybody that was ever in the movie. And it was uh, my favorite story about this, and I want to ask you about this, uh, Chris, is that um, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, his first movie was Caddyshack. Is it true that when yeah. he was on the set, he got very, very depressed? And they said, Rodney, what's wrong? And he goes, well, no one's laughing at my jokes. And they said, yeah. you're on a movie set. Rodney, they can't laugh at your jokes. <laughs> he was very upset that people wouldn't laugh. Isn't that wonderful? Is that true? It's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, I think stand-up comics in general are pretty uh, neurotic, oh, like, yeah. insecure people, and they feed off laughs, you know? And for him, who you know, someone who was unfamiliar with the way movies are made, I mean, he didn't even know what the word action meant. You know, he just yeah. really... Um, he didn't uh, really know what he was doing, and and some of that really works, you know, because he's just firing off all these one-liners that aren't in the script and are brilliant. But on the other hand, he was totally uh, uh, anxious and neurotic about the fact that no no one was laughing at all, and he really thought that he was he was bombing. And they yeah, like you said, they had to pull him aside and say, hey, uh, that they just can't laugh because <laughs> they would ruin the take. But don't worry about it. You're still in the film, pal. I, I just love the fact that Rodney Dangerfield, one of the funniest men of all time, was really insecure because he wasn't getting any laughs. That, what a great story that is. Yeah, I mean, and Rodney's really a character. He really, um, to me, he was the one, you know, the movie when it came out in 1980 um, got very mixed to negative reviews yep and rodney was the one that most reviewers singled out as being the highlight of the film um and he's really just a tornado of of great comedy in this movie and um it gave him a movie career you know it really really set him on a path uh, that was very different from the career he had prior to the film. Oh, there's no question about that. Chris, I, I hate to drive you nuts with all these questions, but you're talking about one of my favorite subjects in the world. Uh, Chris's book called Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. Um, 
I found out later in life that Doug Kinney, what he really didn't like about the movie was something they made him add, and it was my least favorite part of the movie, but that was, I, it was my least favorite part of the movie before I heard about Doug Kinney. Doug couldn't stand the gopher, and I agree with him. I didn't find that funny in the yeah. least. Yeah, I mean, I've sort of come around on the gopher and learned to, to accept it. But yeah, okay. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's kind of stupid. And um, yeah. it really, it, not just Doug, I mean, Harold Ramis, the director, oh, yeah. um, really didn't like, like the idea either. But, you know, it was sort of a necessary evil because the way they made the movie, um, they pretty much threw the script out the window and um, they, a lot of, the scenes with Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. I mean, a lot of that stuff was ad-libbed. And uh, when they got to the editing room, they realized that none of those scenes cut together. You know, it, there was no line in the movie, and right. they needed the gopher. At the end, they sort of added it in, in post-production to sort of make all of these random scenes uh, somehow seem coherent. So um, the gopher, no, not my favorite thing in the movie, but, uh, but a necessary evil. Did they just get lucky, Chris, with the with the casting? Because at this juncture, and, and you know, at this point in my life, anyway, you couldn't have cast that movie any better. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's funny when you go back and look at some of the people that they had originally had in mind for some of the parts. It would have been a very different movie. I mean, like um, you know, Chevy Chase was always going to be in it because yeah. you know they knew him, uh, and and he they needed a, a bankable star, and that's he was that at that time. But you know, Bill Murray was a late addition. Um, Rodney, they were actually thinking about going out to Don Rickles for that part. Oh sure. Uh, you know, the Danny Noonan part played by Michael O'Keefe. They're they're originally thinking about maybe Mickey Rourke. I mean, that's a very different movie. Oh, yeah. If you've got Mickey Rourke as the young caddy. I mean, it's a very intense movie, not really a comedy. But, I just, um, yeah. yeah, I think they did get lucky. I love the fact, and I don't know, Chris, could they get away with this today? I think they could, but I'm not sure. But it was very clear to me. I grew up uh, a Catholic kid, right? And I noticed in the movie there were Irish kids and there were Italian kids and there were all these, all these caddies were pretty much Catholic kids that came from poor families. Uh, how did that, how, do you know how that happened? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the co-writers on the movie was Brian Doyle Murray, who's Bill Murray's oh, right, older brother. Right. And, um, and, and, and the movie is really based in a lot of ways on the Murray boys growing up. Uh, they were caddies, they grew up just north of Chicago, and they caddied in the summers. You know, they were a working-class family, and, and to pay their way through Jesuit school, they caddied uh, at private clubs. So they saw firsthand, you know, that whole thing about being have-nots in the world of the have. And uh, so a lot of that stuff, the Catholicism, you know, Danny Noonan's got like 13 brothers and sisters, <laughs> uh, you know, all that stuff. That's like very, very sort of autobiographical Murray family stuff. Yeah, I, I, and I promise this will be my last question because I want to shut up and listen to your take on Caddyshack, the making of a Hollywood Cinderella story. Do you think be, me being a Catholic, is that why I just adore this movie because I, I really identify with it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think you could be, you know, uh, good. Uh, good. Any, any religion and really. But, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly strikes some of those notes, you know, nicely. Um, but, no, I don't think I don't think that has. I think you know you could you could be uh, I don't know uh, a Scientologist and and really enjoy the movie. Um, <laughs> you, I don't think sure? it really matters. <laughs> I don't know uh, about maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know about the Scientologist it's one. Possible. Uh, uh, one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is something I would have heard my grandmother Minnie say uh, when the kid says, "I want a hamburger, I want a hot dog," and Judge Smale says, "You'll get nothing and like it." <laughs> What a great so good. That's, I mean, that's that's honestly that's one of the the real handful of of really indelible lines that everyone can quote. And it's funny about this movie is that you know, forty years later, a movie that really wasn't that successful when it came out, right? People can quote this movie by heart. And when you're at oh, yeah. a party or at a golf course, and someone says, you know, Cinderella story or uh, you'll get nothing in like it, or uh, I don't know. It's in the whole, you know, just anything, you know, uh, 
fifty bucks. This 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 male's kid eats you know eats uh, the booger. You know, like right. All of these lines, all of these lines from this movie um, are are lines that someone else you know can finish. And when someone can finish a line that you're quoting from Caddyshack, you immediately know that that person is a kindred spirit and someone you can hang out with. Yeah, the whole thing, the Judge Smales thing, perfectly cast, by the way, perfectly cast. And he had his boat that he thought was the uh, QE2 to him, and the wife is asking him to loofah her stretch marks, and that, that whole rich guy, <laughs> rich guy life that we all envisioned as kids. There it was right on the screen, doing the things you thought they'd yeah, do. Ted, yeah, Ted Knight to me is, you know, I've seen the movie a lot. Obviously. Yeah, me too. And I've written a book about uh, but, but uh, you know, to me, the more and more I watch the movie, uh, Ted Knight is the movie's secret weapon. Oh, I yeah. think he really um, gives the best performance in the movie, uh, and it's really, um, I think, a lot of people don't know this, but he was really um, at war with Rodney Dangerfield during the making of this movie because Rodney was just improvising wildly and Ted Knight was an old school sort of professionally trained actor where you say what's in the script and you show up early and he's surrounded by all these young kids taking drugs, doing whatever the heck they wanted. And he really was, you know, I mean, as, as angry as his Judge Smell's character is in the movie, um, you know, a lot of that is, is really his anger. Uh, so he's doing a little bit of method rage in the movie. That, that, that's a that's a wonderful story. I didn't realize that that I did not know that he and he and Rodney did not get along. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, looking at it now, absolutely, it would drive him crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah, it did. Really, it drove him nuts. And that's not just Rodney. I mean, like he, you know, he uh, just didn't have time for this whole mentality. It, the, the cast and crew, other than than him, were were basically a bunch of young, partying kids who are three thousand miles away from a Hollywood studio. They've got a blank check to make a movie. They're in Southern Florida, which you know, in 1979, when they're shooting the film, is pretty much the gateway into the country for cocaine. Sure. Uh, so you know, Ted Knight is just not having any of that, <laughs> and uh, so so he. He really, he, it, was a, it was a tough shoot for him. I could see that. Chris, do you have a, a few more minutes? Because I need to take a very quick, like of a course. couple of minute break, but I'd love to, I want, when we come back, I want to hear your take on why you wrote the book, why you love the movie so much. I want to hear all about it from, from you. We'll be right back. Uh, Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of a 92.5 pound weight loss at Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I started in March, and in just over five months, I learned about clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods, very important. I'm now in the reset phase and then on to the Nutrimost Forever Maintenance Program, which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did. Attend the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner on Monday, October 15th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutrimost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on October 15th. Just call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. 
It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. That's Chris with a K, and we're back with Chris with a C-H-R-I-S. Chris, uh, Caddyshack, the making of a Hollywood Cinderella story. How old were you when you first saw the movie, Chris? Do you remember? You, you know, I have to say I was uh, 11 years old when it came out, and I think shortly after that on, uh, you know, uh, cable, uh, probably I was probably 13 or 14 when I saw it. So you're 13 or 14. And it opened in '80. I was then. Yeah, I was. I was in my mid to mid to late twenties. So you're in a different. Well, not quite a different generation, but a different half generation. That's for sure. Um, do you have? Yeah. Do you have any idea the attraction of this movie? How many? How many decades of of people did it affect the way it affected you and me? Because I'm. You know, it sounds like I'm. You know, thirteen, twelve, thirteen years older than you. And you and I love the movie yeah. pretty equally, it sounds like. So is it? Is there somebody in every generation that loves this movie? I think so. I mean, I really do think that it's a movie that, uh, you know, unlike a lot of comedies from the era, has really lived on because it's timely. It's, it's still timely. I mean, it's a movie that, as, as silly as it is, um, you know, as quotable it is, as it is, it's really about, at the, at the bottom of it, it's about class. And it's about, you know, snobs versus slobs. It's about, uh, you know, rich versus poor. And, you know, these are things that are still obviously things that are in the culture yeah. and, and, and that people are, are, are still sort of, you know, thinking about. And, and so I think it really plays better uh, or just as well today as it did then. Certainly more than like a movie like Animal House, which, you know, was the biggest comedy of all time, also uh, – written by Doug Kenny and Harold Ramis. And, and that movie um, has not aged as well, just because it's, you know, got some, some sort of off-putting views about, about uh, you know, um, male and female relationships and, and all that stuff. This movie is just it's pretty much good, clean fun that is just really silly, and it still plays today. Well, I think one of the problems Animal House might have is that they dealt with things, I mean, including race. Uh, when they go to the nightclub and the guy comes over and goes, do you right. mind if we dance with your dates? There is no way you could put that in a movie now, I wouldn't think. And, and they actually had trouble putting it in then. I sure. mean, they actually had to, you know, Harold Ramis had to have Richard Pryor watch an early cut of the movie and tell the studio who wanted to take that scene out that, no, it was actually really funny. Um, and give it his seal of approval. So, uh, you know, it, it, yes, I think that movie is, is a little bit more uh, sort of of its time than, than, than Caddyshack is, which feels more timeless. My favorite scene at that nightclub is when the man puts his hand out, and it's about 15 times bigger than the woman's hand. <laughs> it's giant. It's giant. <laughs> See, that is funny. So It is funny. So you're, you said, 14 years old. Did you know what you were about to see? Did, did anyone tell you what you were going to see here, or did you just go in and go, hey, this might be good? No, I mean, I just stumbled upon it, you know, uh, late night on, like, HBO, or in the early days of HBO. Oh, so uh, I had no idea what I was getting. And, uh, and I remember thinking, you know, it's funny because if you're 14, the movie's hilarious on one level. You know, you've got the Baby Ruth duty gag in the yep, pool. Yep. Uh, you know, that's obviously really, really funny no matter how old you are. And, and, you know, and, and I think, you know, the older you get, sort of different things resonate for you. It's sort of, uh, I knew I loved it, and I knew I wanted to see it again right away, uh, but it, it was just a matter of uh, how I would let my parents uh, allow me to do that. <laughs> but you're, if you were sneaking in the back room watching it on HBO, you were okay, yeah. weren't you? Exactly. That's phenomenal. I just, I, I, that's the thing about comedy and I've, I was drawn to comedy from the time I was a little boy, seven, eight years old, something like that. 
And any time there was a chance to laugh, you know, it's interesting. And, and this is kind of an aside, Chris, but it just struck me just now. Um, I was not a fan of the Blues Brothers. Most people love Blues Brothers. Mm. And they're, you know, some of the same characters, but a lot of different characters. But I just never thought that movie was funny. And I don't know why. It just might have been the time. But but I was a huge fan of Animal House. I was a really big uh, Caddyshack. I loved even more than Animal House. But once we got around to the Blues yeah. Brothers, I was like, eh, it's okay. Hey, look, I loved Aretha Franklin being in the movie and going down the list of all the sure. great musicians. But it wasn't all that funny to me. Yeah, Blues Brothers is interesting. You know, it's it's a movie that um, it was. It's funny because it came out about a week or two weeks before Caddyshack. Yeah, and a lot of the creative team behind Animal House split off into two groups right, right after Animal House. To, one went to Chicago to make the Blues Brothers and the other went to Florida to make Caddyshack. And there was a, lot, a real healthy rivalry uh, between those two movies, Blues Brothers and Caddyshack, because um, they just, you know, they were all friends and they wanted to be the most successful movie that summer. Now the irony is that neither of those movies was the most successful comedy of the summer. The most successful comedy of that summer turned out to be the movie that no one knew was coming called Airplane. Which oh is yeah. still a classic. Yeah. God, it, that's amazing. That was all in the, at the same time. Airplane, Caddyshack, and Blues Brothers all came out within the same couple of months, huh? It was within, within like four weeks of each other. It's Riff, sort of insane really? to think about now when you can't get one good comedy in summer. Uh, those were three within, you know, three or four weeks of each other. That's amazing to me, Chris, because there was a reason we needed to laugh so much back in 1980. Uh, you know, just to, yeah, for sure. We really did, and that it, it, it served this great purpose. Do you think we need this right now as much as we ever did in our society? Do we need movies I, that just? Want, I do. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I mean, I really do. I think there's a real shortage of you know. I mean, there's so many. My my day job is as a movie critic at Entertainment Weekly magazine. Right, right. And so I see. I just constantly am in the theater watching movies. I see probably three hundred a year, and. There, you know, we're talking about Caddyshack and Blues Brothers and Animal House and Airplane. And, you know, every movie now, the big summer movies are superhero movies, which are fine. But there's so many of them and and there aren't any great comedies. And we really, you know, the country's so divided. You know, there's so much to be depressed about in the news. And there's just a real shortage of movies that are out there that can bring people together and get everyone laughing no matter where you fall on the political spectrum. And I think we really need that. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, I look back at it now, Chris, as I said, I'm, I'm sounds like I'm about 13, 12, 13 years older than you. But one of the concerns that I have right now, yes, we the, social media has changed the world completely. You can attack anyone you wish to attack. But more than that, it's really hard to be funny now because you can't say Many somebody's somebody's offended by everything you say now. I don't. Can there yeah. ever be another great comedy like these? Is it ever going to happen again? Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent question, uh, and it's really one that we all sort of struggle with here. Is that you know, um, social media, like you said, I mean, uh, people are they just react so quickly to. Um, uh, there's just so much sensitivity, and and uh, the whole idea of uh, satire is really uh, taking a hit because um, you just can't you can't make fun of anything without offending someone. And I you know I get that you know some there is some there is some comedy that that is offensive and and it it should be called out as such. But I do think that we've become a little bit too quick to react to stuff and and mm-hmm. so i don't think like a movie like caddyshack would get uh you know i think reviews of the movie would be very different today uh than they were then just because um there's a lot of stuff in the movie that feels of its time and and isn't uh that careful about offending people but the great thing about the movie is that it offends everyone. Um, <laughs> That's exactly you know, the no point. There's no sacred cows in the movie. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I mean, love there's that. no sacred cows. Yeah, so it's really, it's, it's equally offensive to everyone. Um, God, I, Chris, I love having you on because I have about 8 billion more questions I want to ask you if you don't mind. Uh, and if you don't want to get involved in this, I understand, and you can just tell me, ah, eh, whatever. 
I, I, I saw it. Uh, I do a morning show as well, and I was reading a story about uh, the Simpsons are going to cut the Apu character mm-hmm. because people found it offensive. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why Apu is an offensive character to people because there are people from India, people from uh, Muslim nations, uh, white people, black people, all... Somebody from every race, color, and creed, as they used to say, runs, you know, it's quickie marts or whatever. I don't understand why a poo is offensive to people. Do you, do you get that? Because I don't understand it. Well, I mean, look, I think I've always enjoyed the character and I always enjoyed the Simpsons. But um, I guess in a debate like that, um, I have to put myself, try to put myself in the shoes of the people who are offended. Right? Sure. So if I'm Indian American and uh, I find the, if they find the character offensive, I have to take it on faith that they, uh, that their argument is, is certainly something that's to be taken seriously and, pro- and that I may not be able to understand why, why yeah. Yeah. they're so upset about it. You know what I mean? Like I have to, if they're offended, then then that's an art. That's that's a an emotion that needs to be hurt. Um, yeah, I, I always enjoyed the character, but if it offends people and enough people, then I, I think it's worth taking a look at. But but really, uh, that that's another show where they do sort of take a jab at everyone. Uh, there, you know, no one is spared on that show. So, um, you know, I, I, I I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. Always have been. I just talked to uh, Mike Reese about it. He just put out a new book called Springfield. And what I've noticed, and I noticed this with you as well, Chris, you know why people like you get into writing uh, about uh, things like Animal House and Caddyshack? Uh, To me, the reason I think is for the same way, Mr. Reese, and and you go down the list, uh, you guys are a lot smarter than other writers. And I really mean that. <laughs> well, you are. I, I, I just, I think you have the intelligence to understand humor. You have the intelligence to understand that, hey, you know, this is just good fun. And it's really not harming anyone. Um, I just, you guys always, that's why I guess, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you stayed for a couple of segments here. Because uh, finding out who you are and why you wrote the book was important to me. And and. Not that you needed to, but for me, you met every criteria. You you wrote the book because you understood it. You were intrigued by it at 14 years old. You were smart enough at 14 years old to go, my God, this is very, very funny. And then you <laughs> broke down, why is it funny? I love that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You got to come back more often, man. I want to talk comedy with you. What's what's now? The book's called Caddyshack: The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story, and I certainly understand the title. It's a great title. Um, do you have other projects in mind in the future? Maybe you haven't started them yet, but are other things you want to take a look at. Uh, I'm working on it now. I'm trying. I'm trying to cook up an, uh, uh, something that will be as fun to work on as that as Caddyshack was. Uh, oh God! Check back with me in a few months. I may have something for you. Ah, uh, you know what? I, how long did it take you to write Caddyshack, the book? Um, I, I would say about a year and a half. That's one. What a great! You have a great life. That's all I have to say, Chris. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're a good man. Thank you for all your time today, sir. My pleasure. Absolutely our pleasure. The book is called Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. Uh, Chris's last name is spelled N-A-S-H-A-W-A-T-Y. Haven't you found that out as well, Andy, that guys and women who write about comedy or do comedy tend to be a lot smarter than everyone else? Yeah, well, I think it's necessary. I do, too, in order to understand the joke. Mm. Some people just do not get the joke. Uh, that's what I found in my, in my entire. You know, it's really funny because you could you could do something, you could deliver a line, and if people don't understand the joke, they get offended by it automatically. Mm-hmm. If just because they don't understand it, it means it's offensive, which it's not. You just don't get the joke, right? Well, like I, I suppose for some people, maybe Blues Brothers is one of their favorite movies of all time. I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't, and I didn't. It's really funny because my memory was not that all those movies came out at the same time. 
But now I understand why I didn't like the Blues Brothers as much as other people, because I thought Airplane was phenomenal. I thought Caddyshack was a great movie. Animal House had come out earlier. So when you stack them up for me, I got to be honest with you, uh, you got Caddyshack and Animal House. And, well, an Airplane, too. They all tie for first place. And then in fourth place, there's the Blues Brothers. It was an entertaining movie, but it was nowhere near as funny as those other three movies. Yeah. It just, it was, it was good. And it was entertaining. But it was just not as good. We'll be right back. Kostaki, Economopolis, and Quick Snaps next Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night. And you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand-new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more. And please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Kostaki Economopolis, quick snaps. Kostaki joins us. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? You need a hug, Tom? Uh, I just, uh, I will tell you, remember the movie uh, Lost in America where Albert Brooks, uh, the, the wife loses all their money, and he says to her, do not ever use the words nest and egg together again? Remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. Phenomenal. Never use the words nest and egg again because you pissed it away. Uh, I'm here to tell you, quick snaps, do not mention the words foot and ball to me. <laughs> this is going to be a tough segment. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a very tough segment. It's true. It's going to be hard to pull off. Um, I did see that during the Sunday night game, NBC was advertising, this is us. I'm like, don't Vikings fans cry enough already? <laughs> they, well, Atlanta Falcons and Vikings, we, we, you and I have talked about this before. Atlanta Falcon <laughs> fans and Minnesota Viking fans have a lot in common. This is like breaking everyone's heart for their entire life. No Super Bowl victories between them. Uh, oh. Lots of good teams on paper that don't quite finish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, on yeah. paper, they're yeah. all wonderful, aren't they? Oh, on paper? Yeah, I got your paper <laughs> swinging, okay? <laughs> all right. I'll be we can quiet. make fun of other teams. Not There are teams worse than our team, Tom. How about those Browns? They fired both their coaches today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they fired Hugh Jackson finally? Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley fired today. Yeah, Hugh. They're uh, uh, celebrating breast cancer awareness today with their pink slips. That's I, what they're doing. That's oh, my yeah. God. I just That means the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Cavaliers fired their coaches on the same. That's wonderful. <laughs> Is that right, today? Yeah, they fired oh. the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers either last night or this morning. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable. Awesome. Lots of fresh starts. The Browns are not good. Crayola announced they're no longer going to put brown and orange in the same box. <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't blame them at you all. You could special order a box with brown and orange, but the bottom is designed to fall out, you see? Because see, the team's see the bottom falls out of the whole thing because. <laughs> good God. You and Brian Miller should not be allowed to talk to one another. <laughs> We're making comedy magic over here. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, for the first NFL Sunday this year, there was no overtime. I guess the World Series used it all up, right? 18 innings. Game three, 18 innings. The World Series lasted seven hours and 20 minutes. Oh, God. 
that's almost long enough for the Giants to get a first down. That's <laughs> that's, long... Is Eli Manning just about done, do you think, Kostaki? There, yes. If they definitely have <laughs> yeah. to get a different quarterback this yeah, offseason. They really Absolutely. Do. It's terrible. He's having a tough year. Eli Whitney was a better quarterback. Oh, huh? Knew how to pitch some ideas, huh? The cotton gin. <laughs> Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. Eli Manning increased the sales of gin. <laughs> very, different. very good. I kind of, without even knowing it, I led you into a joke. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. I'm really proud of myself <laughs> that's, now. That's why, that's why we do this. <laughs> the Giants would be better off with Eli and Lily at this point. They, oh. they make Prozac, which should be standard issue for all Giants fans. <laughs> He's got all his Eli. The Giants and... would be better off with the Giants would be better off with Eli <laughs> Zabith Warren. She's she's a Chiefs fan, but just barely. Eli Zabith. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, you talk about stretching. stretching it out there. Although they may say it that way in Cherokee, I'm not sure. Eli Zabith. <laughs> I still can't believe she's not given up on that idea. <laughs> Well, she she does have Indian blood. She does not. Well, she does. She's like one one thousand twenty fourth Indian, I think. <laughs> one one thousand twenty fourth, which is actually uh, I found out less than the average American. Yes, it is. It's true. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Wow. Oh so, yeah, not not very uh, not very Indian at all. It's not compelling. No, no. not at all. I'm glad you haven't yeah, mentioned the, the Vikings. Are not good. No, they're terrible. So that's fun. <laughs> No, we'll make fun of the even worse teams than our teams. Saquon Barkley is running so hard because he's trying to get to another team. They're, the Giants are not good. <laughs> mm, They're the biggest disaster this side of the New York subway system. Oh, God. The Giants are they are a little like the subway. They're slow, unreliable, with two bad lines. You know, what, you know one of my favorite things about the subway system in Connecticut and New York, well, the tri-state subway systems, is you're in New Canaan, Connecticut, and you just go about 20 minutes away. Uh, where's the subway in, stop in Connecticut again? I can't remember. It's right by New Canaan, but it's not in New Canaan. But you go to this, one of the most beautiful cities or towns in the entire United States. You go down about 15, 20 miles down the road. You get on the subway, and the longer you're on it, the worse it gets. <laughs> it's just amazing. Right. You go from heaven to hell. It's amazing. Right, right. Yeah, you definitely are aware. When I used to ride the bike up and down on the on Riverside Drive, oh yeah, uh, on yep. the Riverside Park, and you could tell what neighborhood you were walkable from as oh, you rode yeah. through the park. Like you go, oh okay, this is um, well okay. <laughs> you can buy a lot of Mexican foods here. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There's a lot of grilling out to be done right here. Oh, All right, I love it. I love grilling out. It's my favorite thing in the world. Which we're Speaking not going to do. Out, Kansas City is known for barbecue. Uh, Denver known for legalized weed. It's nice they get to get together twice a year. Think it's about nice, that. You know? Yeah. You hit the pipe, have a little uh, Arthur Bryant's, and life is good. Yeah, life's not bad. Uh, Adrian Peterson passed Tony Dorsett for num- number nine all-time rusher. Uh, but whoever holds the record for number nine all-time dad can probably still breathe easy. Oh, He's man, that is cold right there. <laughs> Are you saying the top ten dads don't shove sticks down their kids' throats? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> top ten. Probably not. Oh, God. You make me an evil person. I had Tony. I, 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 we, we make fun of ex-Vikings. That's, that's a similar. Yes. similar. Yeah, good, good. Um, I had Tony Dorsett in my vibrating football game when I was a kid. Aww. And uh, we we always lost the ball, so he would be running around with a piece of paper crumpled between his legs. Did you do the same thing? How did you lose a piece of cotton? That little that little foam football, you never. That oh, thing was foam. Was, I thought never. That shows you I'm older it than you. It was like a little, little tiny. Maybe it was cotton when you had it. That's what I'm saying. It was cotton when I was a little kid. I'm older than you are. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it immensely. No doubt about it. God. Uh, I love that Cam Newton gives a football to a kid when he scores. You know those 
underprivileged kids with front row NFL tickets. <laughs> hey, come on, it's only a thousand bucks a game. What the hell? <laughs> that is amazing thinking about that. Underprivileged kids sitting in thousand dollar seats. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, a lot's been made of this Todd Gurley. I don't know if you saw the end of the game. Todd Gurley had an easy touchdown. He just went to the ground to ice the game instead of scoring a touchdown. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> People are up in arms because it changed. It, it would have changed the oh. winning team against the spread. Oh. And, of course, it had a lot of fantasy implications. Um, dudes, have we learned nothing? If a Gurley doesn't want to score, you have to respect that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> no puns today? No puns. <laughs> He's going with the puns, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good rule of comedy to avoid the puns, I think. Uh, no, your puns are fine. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs> Gurley has scored a touchdown 11 straight games, tying a franchise record held by Crazy Legs Hirsch. I haven't heard that name in a while. Wasn't it? Didn't he play at the University of Minnesota, or was it Illinois or something like that? It's a Big Ten, I think. I don't know. It was a long time. I think it was 61, I think, was the year. It was a long time ago. But I've heard that name. I've seen, like, the black and white photos of him. I've heard the tone um, in your voice before. <laughs> your tone, the tone of your voice was, yeah, it was back when, like, you were a kid, Tom. I it heard was, that. It was when life happened in black and white. That was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. That are, are you guilty of that, too? When you think of your grandparents growing up, you imagine their lives in black and white? Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> and he does, <laughs> Or, yes. like, at least the color is, like, a little off. Yes, it's true. Right. It's, it's a sepia-toned life. Yeah. Right. Ooh-ish. sepia tone. <laughs> I know. We'll just make everything brown. Oh, great. That's good. That's really So nice. they benched uh, Jameis Winston after four interceptions. What a jerk uh, that guy is. He does seem to be a jerk, yeah. Uh, he also set a record for number of times being benched for a Harvard graduate. Uh, <laughs> they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was oh waiting on the sideline, churning butter, waiting to come back in. Of course he was. Um, yeah. Uh, Deshaun Jackson wants out of Tampa, and I thought, well, get in line. <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> that team is a mess. Listen to this. You ready for this? All these teams lost this weekend. Dolphins, Jaguars, Bucks, Florida State, Miami, Florida, oh, South Florida. Oh. Plus, plus Cesar Sayoc. Tough week, Florida. Now, Cesar Sayoc, <laughs> he was a big winner right there, wasn't he? What a lunatic. <laughs> you know that he was, a male, he was a male dancer. Did you know that? I didn't hear that part, no. Yeah, yeah he was a male stripper, male dancer. Mm-hmm. Earlier in his life? Or? I'm hoping a lot earlier, yes. <laughs> I'm hoping it was much earlier. That would be good. Um, I do want to ask you about that. What What's your take on this Jaguar thing walking on an $84,000 bill? I, it's a great question. I, I'd like to hear more details because every what time I hear the this story, hell? the number goes up. Yeah, it started right. at forty thousand. It did. And then yeah. it went to 64000 Now it's 80 something. 84000 now, yeah. And it's not. It's the night before the. What are you doing? Four o'clock it's in the morning. The night before the game. Yep. Ugh. What I love is. Oh, it was a misunderstanding. Yeah. How was it a misunderstanding that you walked at an eighty-four thousand dollar bill? <laughs> no misunderstanding <laughs> there. You tried to stiff. Them. It was a. Right. It's a burlesque club with circus performers. Like, there's so oh, many God. weird details to this story. Oh no. 80, 80 what? What's the new number? $84,000 bill. They, they haven't scored 84 points all season. <laughs> well, and it's got to be embarrassing because doesn't their owner own, like, one of the most successful ho- uh, soccer franchises in the world or something in, 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 yes. in England? Yes, he's a soccer team owner. He almost bought uh, Wembley Stadium this year. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so the Jags players were detained because they didn't pay their tab, mm-hmm. and they returned the favor during the game. They detained <laughs> Jaguars fans for three and a half hours at Wembley. Yes. Watching that. What a mess. Game. By the way, you're professional athletes. How can you not outrun bartenders? I don't understand well, how, they, how they get caught. That's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> 
Were they chased by bobbies? Was this like a Betty Hill sketch? What happened exactly? I love that music. The Benny Hill music. <laughs> God. Trade deadline tomorrow. Uh, I'd like to trade my three-month-old for a kid who sleeps through the night and can oh, throw a frisbee. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Night. I remember those days. I remember those days. I'm sleepy. <laughs> I love her. I love her, Tom, but but sleep. It's four I, in the morning. I Please, understand. for the love of God. <laughs> oh, you might like this. We took we took our granddaughter, well, the, the whole family, to a Halloween dinner on Friday night and then another one last night. And as we were walking through the child safe, in other words, not scary haunted house, it was a haunted house for real little kids. There was yeah, about how a, was that? There was about a two-foot statue of a bald guy wearing a prison uniform, and he had this evil look in his eye. And as Fawny, who's two years old, was walking by, she points it and goes, sad baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's the part you're going to love, man. When they get to be that age, that is fantastic. Sad baby. There's an old Greek expression that you... You only learn the truth from uh, from from people with special needs and children. Yeah, it's true. Which is really, it's really kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny. It's wonderful. It's true. It, it's true. Um, all right, let's close on this one. Adam Vinatieri is now the all-time leading scorer in the NFL. Yep. Uh, and, unless you count Antonio Cromartie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Has what? Fourteen children? I think fourteen. I, look this up. I think it's fourteen. I think you're right. absolutely right. Ten different moms, oh, two God. kids after the vasectomy. Some oh. stat line like that. Yeah, that's right. Two kids after the vasectomy. I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah, fourteen kids. Pretty hard to do, but you know that's just. In how 2010, many, he only had nine. How many? So. <laughs> how many moms? He settled with one one woman finally, right? I think yeah, so. Terica K. Well. That's interesting because in 2010 he had nine kids. Now he has 14, but he married uh, this woman in 2008. So are all the uh, are all the new uh, five kids hers? I'm thinking not. Probably not. Uh, he he had quite a run that first year of, of his NFL career. He ended up with like six different kids, all the same age. Oh, God. oh, here we go. Um, let's see. <laughs> While you're looking that up, Andy, I'll never forget he was interviewed on the national news one time, and they were asked him the name of his children, and he couldn't remember all their names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. struggling. Oh, God. He was struggling to name them. Oh, God. Seven That's baby mamas. Image. Seven baby mamas. And he pays $336,000 oh, in child support. A year? Yes. Really? It's a lot of child support. It is. That is. Does he get a reprieve once he's done with the NFL? <laughs> that that's a, yeah, it? once he's done with the NFL, that's uh, I don't, I don't know how he's going to afford that. Seventeen dollars when he goes back to his cousin's cleaners. He yeah, no money at all. Once okay. he, yeah, once he's broke oh. the year after he gets done playing. Because oh, because the Vikings play the Lions, you could mention the words foot and ball in the same sentence next week, probably. Oh, okay, good. You might might win that one. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure, guys. Talk That's to you my soon. Pleasure. No question about it. Kostaki Economopolis and Quick Snaps. We'll talk to you later, Tom Bernard Show.